Hey, you're listening to Melissa Unscripted, and we want you to know we love our listeners. We especially love when they send us ideas for new episodes they like to hear, and when they subscribe so they don't miss an episode. So share your ideas, hit the subscribe button, and keep listening. Older son, if he he hears that we are doing a podcast, he's gonna jump in and interrupt and start asking questions, start harassing us, harassing me, and asking Melissa questions like this. He one. has questions for. Don't forget his question. He here's a new, it's a different one for today since he the last one he asked might be its own podcast, so he gave me a new one for today. Um, but now, but uh, he wanted to talk about mansions, but since we started talking about that. We might do our own whole podcast on mansions. So he came up with another. Because he was question. asking what makes a what makes a house a mansion, and he said, "How many bedrooms does a house have to have to, per person to be a mansion?" And then I finally we were talking. And I said, "This is a topic for our podcast. We'll just do one with him about this because I'd have to do some research on that. I don't know. That I don't sell many cool. mansions. <laughs> I like that. That would be cool. Why don't you introduce Keisha to everybody, Melissa? Well, I will. So Keisha, I thank you so much for being on the podcast. Keisha Brown, principal of UNCG Middle College. Is that, did I say that right? Because we, we can edit, Keisha, so don't worry. If we say something we don't like, we edit. And we do that more lately. But um, And I met Keisha when she was principal of Swan, which used to be ACOG, which I'm an alumni. So that meant a lot to me because I went, I went to ACOG back when it wasn't called a middle school, I'll just say that, but I usually don't like to talk about my age on this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, but I, Keisha impressed me then because I feel like her energy and I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, Dave, but my degrees in English education. So I just couldn't get a teaching job. That's how I ended up being a realtor is <laughs> when I got out of college, there were no teaching jobs for English teachers. And so, of course, my mother had another option for me if I passed a test. But the um, that I'm always very close, and my heart's very close to education. So when um, Ke- I, first of all, I'm impressed with Keisha was then, and of course, I didn't really realize. And Keisha, I'm going to ask you to explain it, but I did a, a program called Principal for a Day, and I didn't even know it existed. And that's how Keisha and I reconnected. And just by luck, I got assigned to her and it was just one of the coolest experiences and just very valuable. And it made me realize that I probably don't do enough to support, I mean, our schools because it's so important for us to get the point across how great our school system is. So I asked Keisha immediately if she could be on this podcast and, um, and Keisha, you can tell a little bit more about yourself because that's just a brief intro. Okay. That wasn't brief, Melissa. You're listening to Melissa Unscripted, the show that brings you tips, tales, and the truth about the real estate world. I'm your host, Dave Wilson, and with me always is the woman who decided to become a principal, Melissa Greer. Melissa, she's such a natural. I love it. Yes. Um, 
you know, English jobs are available now, Melissa, if you're interested. We're Good always, to know. <laughs> I'm always recruiting, you know, so. Okay. I'm going to keep that in mind. You may be sorry you said that. <laughs> you know, I'll have my resume over as soon as I figure out how to write one. <laughs> yeah, Melissa, you might want to look at salaries first before you get, I'm married to a teacher. Okay. <laughs> but well, you know, my motivator is not money, as I say. So I, we'll see. Well, then you would make a great educator then. I, yeah. I, I <laughs> In fact, I, I think, um, and I, I'll tell you, anyone that knows me, and I've said this so many times, I think teachers are the most underpaid of any profession. I think they're the most important the most influential for our kids and just shaping the future of everything. And I just, I, other countries pay teachers so much, they put them in a different category. And I think, I, I hope that we'll see some changes in that. And yeah. some states do too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this year we've heard a lot about frontline workers and that's what I consider teachers. They're the frontline, you know, principals get a lot of um, attention and we're so not that important. Um, the teachers are on the front line every day. And so um, it is a huge shout out to them. It's been uh, an interesting year and um, they get up every day and just keep um, grinding every day and connecting with students every day and trying to redefine what teaching and learning looks like from a computer screen. Um, so you're absolutely right. So when you said English education, I thought, oh my gosh, you are my friend. I love <laughs> teachers. Mm -hmm. um, I consider my job as being a teacher cheerleader. Um, I was an elementary teacher. I've been a curriculum facilitator, assistant principal, reading coach, but um, teaching is at the core. I collect children's books. Um, just um, te teaching is, is is at the core of all of my work. So I'm, I'm excited to, to know that you had that passion once and well, it's probably still in there somewhere. Oh, it's, it's in there. It's so interesting. I'll tell you this. First of all, I'm gonna give a shout out to my good friend, Deb Smith, who just published a children's book, which I'm gonna drop you a copy off. I oh. bought 10 of them. It's amazing. She had a local artist do the artistry and the illustrations for it. And it's a really cool children's book. So Ooh, I, I, What grade level is that? for her book oh, it, I think it's from what and I've of course I read I like I read young adult and children's books more than adult books but I would say it would be good for any child probably three on up I mean it's really hey, well drop me off one I'll, oh no you might be getting one you don't know what surprises I have for you Dave oh, <laughs> but it's interesting you don't and Dave you probably know because your wife is a teacher but so many people don't realize that extra mile that teachers go to, how personal it gets and what what you have to do, how passionate you're driven to be able to do it. Do you agree with that? Keisha, uh, you see it every day probably. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. Um, we take everything home with us. It's kind of hard to, you know, leave it in the office. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> no, there's no leaving it at home. No. At all. Now, what's this year? My, I know. And that's everything. That's emotion. That's work. That's feelings. That's that's worry. Oh, man. I, I know my wife comes home worrying about her kids. Mm -hmm. Something will be happening at their home. And she teaches kindergarten. So she hears all the you know family problems. Does she really teach kindergarten? She really that does. That would be crazy. That's that the hardest. That is probably the hardest grade level to teach, in my opinion. I uh, disagree. No. 
Um, I think the elementary age students, um, it has to be difficult, especially when Dave mentioned kindergarten. It's your first, in some cases, that's their the child's first experience in a, a school setting. And so it's, it's just not best practice to, to sit down in a chair and listen to a teacher. You know, when you think about kindergarten, you think about lively, vibrant, moving, singing, dancing, reading books, um, touching, feeling, like all of those things are important. And so it's kind of difficult that it's a barrier there for them to learn. I mean, I know teachers are doing a great job getting it done. Don't get me wrong, but nothing can replace in, in person. And, and the in-person is kind of different too, because with kindergarten and probably first grade, but there's still this emotional attachment the kids create with the teachers. And there's a physical element to that, whether it's a hug or a, a rub on the shoulder, like they're very physical. They want to show their emotions and they can't do that right now. That's been the hardest for me because in my business, even though it's a business, I'm, I'm known, I mean, I hug people and, you know, I just feel like that you have, when you're dealing with people's homes, it's different. It's, it's very emotional and it, it's, I don't feel like I'm a salesperson. So that's how I met Melissa. Some, it was this random woman came up and hugged me. It, Dave, Dave, that's our, <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about that on the podcast. That's a whole topic in itself for when we're both retired. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to worry about what people think of us anymore. Right. What do you think? What do you think? Give us the couple of things that you love the most about your job. What do you love the most? Oh, with so many things. Um, not knowing what the day holds to me is kind of like a, um, it's thrilling. Like I have a schedule every day and I'm booked, you know, I might have an eight o'clock and a 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, but, but that doesn't really matter. Um, you know, if it was a typical school day, anything could happen. I mean, you know, someone may come in and have a nosebleed. Someone may come in and a parent needs to talk to me about something that happened at home. You just never know. Um, what the day holds. Um, a teacher might say, we're having a really cool lesson. What are you doing at noon? And I'm like, um, sure, I'll adjust my schedule. I'll be down. And then I'll end up um, helping a class do something. So it just, you just never know um, what the day is going to hold. So I, I like that. Um, I love coaching teachers. That's kind of probably my favorite thing to do. Um, and when I say coach, that includes the instructional aspects but it also is the it's going to be okay um just reassuring like that's happened to me before it's not a big deal you know we all make mistakes um i love reassuring teachers and coaching teachers through being human beings like they are so um hard on themselves <laughs> and and sometimes teachers or students will think it's the end of the world and i'm like Come on, let's let's talk through it and just kind of learn how to prevent it from happening again. Um, what did we get from this? Like right. that's kind of my take on every mistake. And I'm transparent. So I've always had a, a mantra with business. And when you're dealing with business or running a business, is um, everybody makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's how you handle mistakes is the difference between a good business and a bad business. Yep, absolutely. A few years ago, I stopped being perfect and it was so 
liberating but expensive (laughs) (laughs) but it just was a nice thing to realize I didn't have to have the pressure to be perfect all the time but you have to make up for your mistakes and you have to you have to learn from them and that's what keeps you from not continuing to do them as much but and you have to learn from and you have you have to own them and fix them when there's a problem and you know whether you're a principal or a business owner or even somebody who's just doing customer service you know when there's something wrong you fix it and it's going to happen. And you know, I have a friend who runs a business and, and that's really his, his, he has exploded because he takes care of it. And when he takes care of it, people respond to that. So right. people respond to the negativity, you know, there'll be negative. Uh, I had a bad experience, but when, when something's happened and a company or somebody goes above and beyond, people remember that. But you know, Melissa, you asked me about principal for a day. I don't think I ever answered you. Uh, please that's important imagine (laughs) this is what you have to rein dave and do you have to rein us in like we're kids because that's what we are (laughs) so we we, and we have a little adhd we we admit it so please feel free to manage us we're all in good company (laughs) all educated are the same way i'm always asking the office staff now what was i getting ready to do and they're like, you were getting ready to go to Mr. Hefner's class to do that. So. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's right. So you, we're in good company. It's good. all good. But that was um, principal for a day. That was one of the, that was actually very impactful for me. So I loved it. I would love for you to tell the okay, yeah. listeners if we so, have any about that. So I think this is year 14 for me, participating in principal for a day. And um, so Gifford County Schools and Gifford Education Alliance partners every year um, to partner a business, a community person with a school principal. And the goal is to um, get that partnership so that people in the community and businesses in the community can have a general idea of what schools are like. Um, many people in our community in the greater Greensboro area do not have kids in schools. And so um, it's kind of hard to know how the community can help schools if you don't come into the schools and kind of hear about what we're doing and what our needs are. And so I was lucky to be partnered with Melissa this year. And so, you know, it was the COVID-19 experience, but she still was able to get on our Zoom call. She was with me on a Friday. So every Friday we have Spartan Spirit Friday where it's a school-wide assembly. And she was able to address our student body that day. And so um, she was able to sit in on a meeting when we were looking over our school improvement plan goals and trying to um, identify strategies for SAT and ACT improvement. So um, just the partnership to, to have a conversation about what I do on a daily basis and what that business or that community member can do to help in the school, so. And I'm gonna ask you to expand on that. What can a community member do to help the schools? Oh gosh, there's so many things. I mean, big and small. Um, the presence, kids love seeing um, other adults in the building, sharing expertise from your field. Um, in any field, we kind of focus on health science careers at our particular school, but um, there's always a connection um, that we could have with any business or community partner. Um, sometimes we need guest speakers just to talk about possibilities. So in high school, you know, our, our motto here is to get co- students college career and life ready. 
So anybody in the community, community can help us that way. Sharing experiences and exposure is very important to me for our students. So sometimes kids don't know what they don't know. And so just saying, hey, this is what I do in the community. And kids are like, oh, wow, I never even knew that was a thing. And so how do I do that? We look for internship opportunities, shadowing experiences, and this can be in any field. So to me, um, that's one thing. Um, we always would take donations. <laughs> um, we don't ever go out. We're, we're very, um, um, I don't know the word. Uh, we, tr we don't go out and ask for money ever. We're not like, give us money, but we don't um, deny it if it comes to the table, you know? So um, we're always looking for ways to reward students, like for incentives. There are certain things that school funds can't buy. And so sometimes, like for instance, um, just this week, we had a photo contest because we, you know, high schoolers love yearbooks. Yearbooks, that's what you do. You buy your yearbook in high school. Well, we're not in school. We don't have a picture company coming in to take pictures because kids can't come in. So we're having kids to send in pictures and selfies and things like that. And we're gonna make it into a yearbook. So we had a photo contest in different categories, but we wanted to reward students for each category. Well, how do you reward students? A 15, 16, 17 year old, they like um, Chick-fil-A, they like Starbucks, those things. But I can't write a check from the checkbook at school for gifts. So businesses could donate gift cards or anything. Like we'll tell you anything. Paper. Well, I'll tell you right now, you call on me because this, this is great. If you have any needs like that, I would love to, I'd love to participate in any, anything that you need because I had no idea. And this is so important. And it's just a, and it ties into my business so much because, <clears throat> excuse me, because we really need our schools to be something we can market mm -hmm. to people coming here. Guilford County. Yeah. So I, I want I'm really proud of about Gifford County Schools is that we have a lot of options. Um, just because you live in a certain neighborhood doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to that neighborhood school. You can if you like, and there are plenty of great neighborhood schools, but we have over a hundred some, I mean, so many magnet options. And so students can apply for magnet programs. Um, late January is usually around the time we start showcasing our theme magnet schools. And that's on every level, elementary, middle, and high school. And you can kind of um, pick for your child. You know, I really like the STEM world. I really like the arts. I really like global studies. And then apply for those magnet programs. And so our school is a health science career kind of focus. But it also, just because you pick a theme, that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I get to the school, sometimes knowing that that's not what you want to do once you, you know, mm -hmm. start the field, but you have to have that willingness to, to engage in the theme that you've applied for. And so um, there are options, and I like that. And, you know, Greensboro is, it, Gifford County Schools is bigger than Greensboro. So you did this principle for a day. Why is it important for other realtors to do this? I mean, it, I'm sure principal for the day of the day or for the day is not just a Guilford County thing. Why would you recommend this? What is it that you get out of it as a realtor? Well, I think what we've got to do as realtors is realize that it's just not about the house. You know, we're selling a city, we're selling a school district, we're helping people acclimate to a new life. And to do that, you have to know your city, as we've talked about. You have to know every aspect of it. 
And people, you have to be able to connect your clients who are moving here. So if I think about how I would feel if I moved anywhere, it, there'd be some anxiety and fear. And I would want someone who could make me feel comfortable and guide me and that I had confidence that they get to know me and just care enough. I think it's really important for realtors all over the country, if they ever listen to us, which they may, I, we get some letters, but I mean, I think that we've got to be more than just the person that sells you the house. I, I mean, I really do. I think in schools are at the top of the list. One question I want to end with, and this is the thing is, it seems like this year, don't you think it'll be a curriculum one day in the schools where there's so many like sociology, religion, political science, health. Will you speak on that for a minute as an educator, how you feel this is impactful? And Yeah, so um, I think it has caused us to, you know, we as educators, we're always learning. We're lifelong learners. But this has pushed us to learn things that we wouldn't have normally um, stepped outside of the box to learn. And so um, it's made, it's also made us work together. Sometimes we can, you know, really be good at what we do and stay in our classroom, in our office, in our box. But for instance, like the early and middle college principals, we decided, okay, we need professional learning community, communities to figure this thing out. How, do, how are you motivating your staff? Well, how are you, what are you doing for staff meetings? What are you doing? And so teachers are having to do that too. How are you delivering this lesson? So I think it has caused us, actually, even though we're distant, it's caused us to, to get closer and to rely on each other more than we have in the past because, you know, we were just so busy doing our thing for years, for years. Um, the education system has been, you know, this is my lesson, my classroom, my space. And now all of us are at the beginning point. It's like all of us are first year teachers, first year principals learning all over again. So we, we've always said we're lifelong learners but now we're really <laughs> learning again. Students, I feel like it's taught them to be resi resilient and more appreciative mm -hmm. um, of, you know, they took it for granted coming to school every, you know, getting up, coming to school, they miss it. They want to be here. They, they know that they were going to get that hug. They knew they, knew they were going to get that meal. They knew they were going to get that smile, that good lesson, whatever it was. So it's kind of been taken away. So I think they've taken schools for granted. And so now they, they are resilient and more appreciative of the school setting, I believe. And then just personally, it's, it's taught me to slow down. <laughs> it's taught me to slow down, smell the roses. Life is short. Like, you know, just um, relax, relax and notice the good things. There's something good happening every day. And it's our choice to focus on it or not. Keisha, I can't thank you enough for being on here. And, and I definitely want to get you back on. And I just can't, it means a lot to me. And of course, you represent our school system so well. So thank you for everything you do. That was fun. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Melissa Unscripted is produced by Tiger Moth Creative, helping businesses and nonprofits leverage the power of their story. Find links and show notes at melissagreer.com. And so you'll never miss a show. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And make sure you give us a good rating. That's it for now. See you next time.